You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. It's the Score North Twin Show. Chances early in the game, um, even though it didn't really come together early on, we, we kept the game kind of where it was at. We, we continued to pitch well, uh, made some plays. We're still in the ball game at that point. And, uh, you know, we get there late and we just we, we put the at-bats together. And, the, you know, you always want that. You want that every time you get people on base. You want to come through. But um, we kept giving ourselves those opportunities. And it was, it was uh, tough. It was tough. But uh, we got what we wanted. Eight and two now since the All-Star break. A pretty dead performance through eight innings last night. But the Twins then uh, rally for three to tie it in the ninth win in 12. It is the Score North Twins show. It's Judd. It's Declan. Phil will be back on Tuesday. So he will be back in tow very soon. But uh, Dex, plenty to talk about from a weekend sweep of the White Sox. And now, as I said, eight and two since the All-Star break. But I think the most important thing to get to, Declan Goff, is this. Who is sponsoring this fine program? The Score North Twin Show, sponsored by our friends on Mondays every day. Every Monday, I should say, from Modest Brewing. Just steps away from Target Field, one of the best spots in the North Loop. You can go in there and get a double dry hop New England IPA. You got the deliciousness. Uh, grapefruit Gold Nail, one of my favorites. And, of course, the Super Deluxe. You can't go wrong with the Super Deluxe when you're in the tap room either. Or you can find these beers uh, at your local liquor store as well. Go check out Modest Brewing. Tell them Score North sent you their big Score North and... Uh, twin show fans as well. So go to Modest Brewing in the North Loop and check them out. Are you prepared to get to the five Twins talkers? Ordinarily, Mackie yes. brings these to the show, but uh, it w- but is my um, my dedication to the craft over the weekend that I now have the five Twins talkers in tow. Are you ready for this? I am. But by the way, I'm I'm going to make this now the new every Twin show. Yeah, we're going to do this. I, I teased this like a week or two ago. Uh huh. Magic number count. Oh, I love it. We are at sixty games. <laughs> we were at 60 games for the magic number okay. for the Score North YouTube channel. Yes, that's a nice graphic. I spent like 10 minutes putting together this morning. Like uh, 60 games. And now they got uh, obviously three with Seattle coming up. They have a three-game lead. Uh, but yes, eight and two since the break, Judd. So let's uh, let's get into it here. Why don't you apologize to the Twins? Hell no. Hell no. I might have motivated their dead-ass play. I mean, I, I, I was impressed yesterday. That's the exact type of game, by the way, that they lost. The one that they won came back in the ninth. That's the exact type of game. What did they lose? Two or three or three or four to Detroit here? It was like three or four to Detroit. Absolute embarrassment. They lost that game, and they didn't lose it on Sunday. They actually rallied and came back on Saturday. One big on Friday, two home runs by Byron Buxton. We'll get to him. But let's get to the talking point one which is the progress that the Bats have made since the All-Star break. And again, the comeback to this, and I got it on Twitter, and I understand, okay? They swept Oakland. Oakland's garbage. Mm-hmm. They uh, they went 2-2 two and two in Seattle, which I think is a very comparable club to them. Yep. Like, good pitching. Yep. Bats are on the fritz far too often, but not a dumpster fire. They're just not, they're underachieving. 
um, but they're not a bad ball club. And then the White Sox, who appear to be stuck between, like, Giolito and Cease will give them really good outings, but I don't know how much the White Sox care. Like, the White Sox look like the majority of them are just waiting for the last day of the regular season. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, as we've talked about before, you're playing who who you're playing. And this is what I told I told Tom Bernard this today on, oh, on my appearance on the Tommy B show, which, of course, you can find um, on the podcast network here. But here's what I told him. I said, I've come to the conclusion of this, and I think it's a very fair place, okay? I'm not saying the Twins are great. I'm not saying they're going to be good teams. I got no clue. But you know what disgusted me? I realized this after some soul-searching at the All-Star break, Declan. Okay. What disgusted me, and I think you too, and I think Phil too, was... If that current incarnation, if that team that went into the All-Star break at 45 and 46 won the division, to me, it's meaningless. It's a complete joke. Like, if you are a 500 team or below and you win your division, it's a joke. I know that you won it, but it's a joke. But when you beat the teams you're supposed to beat, which the Twins are now doing, and they are now, what, 53 and 48, if I'm not mistaken, when you do this, then at least I can take you seriously. Big difference there. Yeah. At the All-Star break, I was like, you guys are a abomination. This team is not. And so no matter who you beat, I've just decided that if you can win the division and it's a respectable, you know what? Okay. Not a great division, but you but you finished well above 500, ideally quite a few games in front of the second place team. So like that's where I can watch these games now and not bury my head in my hands and say, this is a complete embarrassment because you really stink too. Yeah, it's important, I think, to beat the teams you should beat. Um, they've beat up on Oakland. They've beat up um, on Chicago here. Seattle, a comparable team, a good team that's also kind of trying to stay in the race in the wild card West, uh, in, the, in the wild card race in the AL West and whatnot, too. So I, I think they've done a good job at beating the, these teams they should be. Now they get Seattle again here at Target Field, and that's going to be another nice, solid test for them. But I thought yesterday after, you know, it looked like, all right, they're just going to probably mail this one in. You know, you can't win every single game. They ended up rallying for three in the ninth. Uh, they forced extras, and they had, obviously ended up walking them off. That's that's impressive to me. That that shows that there weren't there wasn't a give up in them. They were still able to figure out a way to sweep a bad team. You should be able to sweep those bad teams. Um, and right now, I mean, their offense is clicking. They're scoring over six or averaging six runs per game. Obviously, Eddie Julian has kind of been this godsend for them too over the last um, since the All Star break. He's basically been the best rookie in baseball, which has been impressive. So it's uh, it's been a good thing. And I think the thing too, as I froze, and there now I'm go. back. Um, I think the thing too is is this. So talking point two, because I'm I'm gonna I've got five here, but I'm gonna sort of skip around to what fits best in our conversation here. And talking point two is not just Julian, but Alex Kirloff as well, Declan. So post All Star break, he has been very very good. Uh, he has four home runs. He's driven in 14 runs in nine games since the break. Um, his approach at the plate playing on a regular basis is absolutely fantastic. But I think the most impressive thing that I saw Dex was two outs in the ninth inning runner in scoring position on Sunday. It's three, two white Sox. The twins have the twins have a guy on, but it looks like they might go down and Kirloff comes up. And instead of swinging out, out of his shoes with a man on to try to win the game, he doesn't against Kendall Graveman. He does, and I tweeted this as a as a carud it. He carud it. If you go back and watch the at bat in which he doubles to left, it is a gorgeous piece of hitting, and it is exactly the type of thing we don't see nearly enough from this team. 
but he actually, if you watch his feet, he got his feet going like Carew would on occasion. He waited on the ball. So like he did not try and get out ahead. He didn't try to pull it, which he doesn't really do. Um, He waited on the pitch and he just slapped it to left for a double. That is, I think of all our complaints about, you know, the twins and their home run obsession decks. That was such a positive sign that a guy took an at bat that was a at bat that had intention that had nothing to do with trying to hit the baseball out of target field. I mean, it's it's uh it's not hyperbole anymore, and it's not a hot take. The Twins' best two hitters this season right now are rookies. Basically, they're they're Edward Julian and they're Alex Kirloff. Um, Kirloff over his last thirty games is slashing well over eight fifty. Um, he's hitting for clutch hits. He's getting on base a lot. He's drawing walks. Eddie Julian has been a revelation. I mean, the, the glove will will slowly get there and whatnot. And it, if you're going to hide anyone, I'd rather hide someone at second base and hide someone at shortstop or catcher or even one of the corner spots in the outfield. I mean, if you're going to hide someone, hide him at second, and hopefully he does uh, make some improvements there defensively. But the best two hitters on this team right now are Alex Kirloff and Eddie Julian. And I really don't think it's close. I think those two are great in the top of your order. You have to have them near the top. Um, and yeah, I think you would have to just get used to Alex Kirloff mostly driving that guy in now. It's been kind of great to see. Yeah, and Kirloff, just to be clear, has played 169 games in th- three years, so he does not have r- rookie status, but Julian definitely does. Yeah. And yeah, I just, I, I like the fact that there was, that there didn't appear to be, and I, I don't know that Kirloff, Kirloff didn't play enough previously for my taste. I don't know that there was a mandate here, Yeah. but that at bat, the at bats that Julian takes and with actually... One out, same situation before Kirloff, he flew out to left and he just missed a line drive. Because again, slapped the ball. I just, I am so in love with guys that actually have an approach that is not, you know, I'm going to try and hit a home run, who are not swinging for the fences. And I'm getting it at Buxton. But, you know, that approach to me is so counterproductive to good baseball. The ninth inning was essentially a tutorial on what the twins should do. And you're exactly right. Julian and Kirloff play huge roles there. Like they have definitely um, in how they're being used and being used a lot. Now they have definitely give you a different feeling about the approach here. And I don't know. It feels like it's just how they approach things, but you know, my frustration with the David Popkins first half was what are we doing here? Feels like they've peeled back a bit and perhaps are allowing guys. And the Jeffers hit two decks in mm-hmm. the 12th. That was another just great piece of hitting. Had nothing to do with trying to do too much. And that's my biggest complaint about the baseball that the Twins were, were playing. They were always trying to do too much, it felt like. And it just feels like their top of the lineup is finally solidified here. It really feels like for as much pitching and complaining we did, rightfully so, about the Twins offense, it really feels the top half of their lineup is pretty is pretty competent now. They, they Correa's kind of morphed into this, is he your prototypical leadoff hitter? And do we see Carlos Correa being the leadoff hitter uh, coming back here for the 2023 season? No, but it's worked and it kind of just sets the table. Like, that's exactly what you want from leadoff hitter. Amen. I feel like we've... Uh, in baseball the last five, six years, right? We got away from that. Like, oh, actually, you should put a power guy there. Like, right, like Brian Dozier was their leadoff hitter for, for a, a good portion of time. And Dozier was not really an on-base guy. He could just slug the ball really hard. Um, and now Correa is basically being the, te- the table setter for into Julian, into Kirloff, whether you want to throw Donnie Barrels in there, Ryan Jeffers. Like, it, it just makes your lineup that much easier when you have three competent people to lead things off in your lineup. The Correa move has uh, t- turned out at least 
so far to look very smart because, I mean, he looked the first half at the plate decks. I mean, I'm sorry. There, there were f- small stretches of good hitting, but there were a lot of at-bats where he was guessing. Yeah. Like, he did not look like himself at, at all. I feel like since he was moved to the leadoff spot, and keep in mind, too, the one thing that I will give him is, and I will harp on this for as long as I have to, the appreciation, if he can do anything at the plate, the appreciation for his glove. I mean, do you know how many plays he makes that, that now we just take for granted? Yes. And I, you go back to like when Polanco played short. I mean, how many guys have we seen play short for this team decks? Yeah. And it's a bleeping adventure. Um, if Carlos Correa can be solid at the plate, that glove is so good. And he makes so many plays and that arm is so ridiculously strong that that's the one thing I don't lose sight of. Now, he makes too much to be just a glove guy, but um, for, for all of Julian's struggles at second, man, Carlos Correa at short is unbelievable. Yeah, it's they've had so many random guys there. I mean, go back 10 years ago, it's Pedro Flormon. I mean, they've had Jason Castro's. Oh, yeah, Christian Guzman. I mean, we could go through the list. Yeah. It's hard to find shortstops. Yeah, even when they traded for, you know, Orlando Cabrera in 09 that helped their offense a lot. Like, he wasn't, you know, a, a savant with the glove either at that point in his career. So it's it's refreshing to have a wizard and a competent offensive player at probably one of the most important positions of baseball. All right, before we get to the third talking point, I want to talk about uh, my friends and tell you it's time to beat the heat. It's... it's um, Miller Marina Power Lodge giving you the keys to oh, a yes. cool lake breeze. Look at that. Yeah. With clearance pricing on two tw- 2023 luxury pontoons, fishing boats, and more, our dog days of summer won't last, and it's going to be hot this week, folks. Oh, yeah. And is. their inventories will be going uh, as well, but with an iconic Bennington pontoon and tri-tune pontoon packages at doorbuster pricing at Miller Marina St. Cloud and all Power Lodge locations. Get your first cruise in by sunset. Don't wait because this is a limited special offer, special time here. Again, Miller Marine and Power Lodge. Just go to millermarine.com and powerlodge.com and snag some of that throttle therapy for yourself. Mm. Financing is available on approved credit. Freight and prep are not included in the packages. This week is going to be very, very hot, though, and it's going to be a perfect time, Declan Goff, to get out on the lake. Absolutely. And by the way, I was actually in Blaine this weekend for a birthday party. I already saw signs said, welcome golfers, welcome fans, because the 3M Open is coming to town. It starts this week, basically, Judd. Uh, the, all the events. It's not just the tournament. It starts all this week, July 24th to the 30th. Justin Thomas will be there. Tony Fina will be looking to defend his title. Title Gary Woodland will be there. Hideki Matsuyama will be there. Some of the best in the world. And yeah, park yourself on a whole 18 uh, luckily, when I was on the links yesterday, did not dunk any ball in the water, shockingly, but you're going to watch professionals do it, and it'll make you feel really good about your game as well. Go to 3mopen.com slash tickets. And uh, Pioneer Press had a great story on Sunday. I didn't realize 18 is being turned into a really fun hole now. Yes, it's it's like legitimately one of the most fun holes But there's going to be like a golf. deck now yeah. with fans on it. Oh, yeah. Beverages yep. in play. They're, they're going to have something called the water wall in which if you hit a ball into the drink, they're going to donate X amount of golf balls. Yeah. Um, but they basically are encouraging a Phoenix open type of thing. Yes, it really is. It's really cool. It's, I love that. Yeah. It's, it's becoming one of the coolest holes in golf. We talked uh, last year with, with uh, the course director about it too. It's, it's pretty neat. It's, it's watching all these guys basically dunk all these balls in the water and again, makes you feel good. Cause then it makes you feel yeah. like you're uh, you're like one of them. Go ahead and cheer. All right, talking point number three on the Score North Twin Show, and that is, as I continue on the positives, actually, stacking the three left-handed bats 
Okay. That would be Julian hitting second, Kirloff third, and Max Kepler fourth. Since the All-Star break, and again, there's been 10 games, the Twins have won eight, uh, they have hit in that order four times. Now, keep in mind on Saturday, because this was broken up on Sunday, I think Donnie Barrels was put in between uh, Kirloff and Kepler. But keep in mind on Saturday, this group went a collective 0 for 11, okay? Nonetheless, in the other three games, or or with that included, they have gone a combined 17 for 45. That's a 378 average. They have hit six home runs, and they have driven in 13 runs. Mm-hmm. And may I congratulate the Twins, and this goes beyond Rocco. Okay. But may I congratulate the Twins on doing something that my guess is their their, um, spreadsheets and computers and tell them is probably not a great move. But that's three consecutive left-handed bats in a row. And these guys in three of the four games, when they've been allowed to do this, have been absolutely fantastic. And again, Dex, one is it's good to see... Kepler hit. If he's going to stay and play every bleeping day, he should hit. But second of all, it goes back to what you talked about, which is Julian and Kirilov setting the tone and giving you great at-bats, um, long at-bats at times. And I think that this is a, this to me, as much as anything, is a sign that the Twins had some type of come-to-Jesus discussion at the All-Star break and came up with some ideas where they said, we have to change something. We can't be in first place in this division, or at the time in second place, but near first place, a game under five hundred. And I don't really know what to make of this Max Kepler streak here. I mean, yeah, over the last seven games, he's been good, but really over the last 30 games, he's looked a lot more like 2019 Max Kepler and just a competent player and not just complete out and dud in your lineup. Um I'm trying to figure out if this is for real or if this is just a mirage and, and if it's a summer fling and you just kind of let the summer play out and then you assess after after summer's over because I just don't really have a lot of trust that this guy's going to be sustaining this amount of success for the rest of the season. That being said, has he been a main catalyst in them winning baseball games over the last two or three weeks? Yes. Yes, you have to give him credit to that. So I don't know what to make of this Kepler streak. I don't think they're going to dangle him. I know Derek Falvey, I believe, told Jim Bowden on Sirius XM Radio over the weekend that they're looking for relief help. They're looking for right-handed bat help at the trade deadline, which what where I believe we're about a week out or so. So I don't know what to make of the Kepler hot streak. I'm just kind of riding the waves of it. Like I said, it's a summer fling, and we'll assess if this is for real by the fall. Well, if it was up to me, he wouldn't be on their roster right now, but they clearly are far more enamored with Max than I am, and I think this show is. And so if he's going to play, which clearly he is, um, he should hit. And he has hit. And it does look like this attempt to stack left-handed bats has worked pretty damn well. And uh, this is where this is where I feel like the Twins can get very stubborn and not try things or they're convinced things are going to, to work. And you know what? Kepler being kept around the last few years is example of that. But, yeah, I think you're probably taking the right approach because – they like Kepler. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure why. It sounds like it's Falvey. He really likes him. Um, I don't think if they're smart, he's back next season. But for now, if he's going to play, you need to put him in a position or a, a situation clearly where he's comfortable. And it looks like they have found that. All right. The next talking point is very, very simple. And I know he had two home runs on Friday. His wife, I believe, gave birth yesterday or is due today. Byron Buxton, congratulations. 
Your 0 for 26 streak came to an end. Uh, But nonetheless, Declan Goff, he still went 3 for 12 in the series against the White Sox. I've got him with five strikeouts. On the season, he is hitting 195. And right now, the analytics people are like, who cares? 195. Look at Schwarber. Look at Max Muncy. Okay. But his OPS is 702. Yeah, it's, he's a blue average. It's not good. Um, and here's what I don't understand. And we'll get to Polanco actually starting to play some third base at St. Paul in a second. But what I don't understand is why is this such a dilemma, Dex? He, Byron Buxton, doesn't deserve to play every day. And I'm not saying, so the thing in Seattle was a benching. It was a two-game, get-your-head-right benching, okay? I'm not asking for that. I'm saying he doesn't need to play every day. Can he pinch hit at times? Sure. Knock yourself out. I don't even care. But what is this, like, hard and fast? And again, this is the Twins being stubborn. What is this hard and fast rule that, well, we he's our DH. He's got to be. He is eating up a spot that Julian can take. May I add, I believe marvelously. I, I think I think Julian's a DH made for mm-hmm. baseball right now. Um, Matt Walner, who I don't really trust in left on fr- Friday. I saw him try to catch balls like I would. Um, so what is this needed or unneeded obsession with Byron Buxton being like either benched or he's playing? Explain this to me. So he's fallen completely off off the radar here in terms of offense. This year, his OPS, to your point, is 702. His OPS plus, um, which is a little bit more of a of a, another league average type of metric where you kind of take 100, and that's 100 league average. His is 92, so he's below a league average hitter. You know, from 2019 to 2022, although battling a lot of injuries, he was incredible at the plate. Um, he was well above. He had an OPS plus of 136. He was well above league average of a hitter, and he could drive the ball a lot. He obviously was playing stellar defense, too, and now that's erased, and you know, I, I hate to be, you know, the classic uh, cliche on the broadcast that I hear of like, well, you know, DHing is a lot is harder and you can't just be a DH because then you're not focusing on the field. You're sitting there, you're in your thoughts oh, wait, all the time. Is that what we're still getting? Well, I mean, it, it just you get that a lot with when yeah. people say you move to a full time DH after playing in the field a lot and he can't hit like he cannot hit and love that he ran into two balls on Friday and back to back plate appearances. Lance That's awesome. Lynn. He should hopefully be able to, you know, put some balls in the seats. That's fine. But at this point. I don't really know what they should do with him because, yes, I'm with you that they should bench him and he shouldn't be playing every day at this point, but they don't want to do that. But to be clear, I'm not even saying bench him. I'm just saying he's not an everyday player. That's what I'm saying. He can DH still. I just don't understand this. He's in. He's either benched for two consecutive games and they make it very clear this is to get him right, or Dex, Dex he just plays. Um, That's what I don't get. I'm not suggesting benching. I'm saying he's not an everyday player. So not like some extended, you're not going to play. He can DH, but you've got other guys. You've got other options. He also, though, as uh, Royce has pointed out, his left-handed hitch, left-handed pitching, uh, he can't hit it. I mean, he's hitting like 140 yeah. against lefties. Like it, he it's should the play weirdest against, things. He should play in. So he should play when the analytics say they think he can be successful. Yeah, he's not an everyday player right now, and it's driving me crazy because this team has guys. I mean, there are definite guys who. I always go back to this. When Nelson Cruz was traded, and Nelson Cruz was damn good here. So I think he did a lot of good things here. But when he was traded, what did we talk about? The Twins talked about, well, this frees up the DH spot to sort of rotate guys through. Okay, good idea. I sort of like that. 
You've got that opportunity now. You know, just because he ran in, just because Byron ran into two balls on Friday and then had a bad game or unproductive game on Saturday in a night game, he didn't need to play on Sunday, did he? Probably not. You could probably arrest him. I just don't. I He's not. It it feels in some ways, and credit to Roy C for saying this, because I don't know if I thought he was crazy, but I certainly didn't fully agree. But it feels in some ways like we're going down the same path that the Twins did with Miguel Sano, right? Because mm-hmm. if you remember for a long time, they're like, he's playing, he's playing, he's playing. And we're all like, no, he doesn't need to play every day. Right. You know, he's not productive enough. And then it's like, okay, now he's not playing. It doesn't need to be, this is a DH spot. It doesn't need to be, well, he's never going to play again or he's going to sit out all week. It needs to be find situations in which you at least, I mean, they've got reams and reams of data that show them when they think guys can be successful. And yet they're treating Buxton like he made the all-star game this year. Yeah. Yeah, It's stubborn. I I think it's just time to play him strategically. And I know he's being played a lot of money and that's another whole wrinkle they got to figure out. But, at this point, yeah, he's not an everyday player. What's your thought process on um, what Do- Do- Doogie brought up on the scoop side of Tuesday or Thursday of last week that center field, from what he's hearing, is not out of the question for Buxton? Because there's been nothing from our eyes to indicate that it is being considered. What's your personal belief on that right now? Uh, I, I believe that it's probably being discussed. And at this point, if it's, again, if it's able to get him right, you got to try it. Like if you want to put him in center field and I, I hate to say it, if he if he explodes against a wall and he hurts something else again, well, okay. Like, losing Buxton's bat out of the lineup now is not a problem. Where before, right. when he would get hurt, you would lose his glove and you would lose his bat. At this point, if it gets him mentally, re, you know, recharged a bit and he's able to figure things out at the plate because he's not just sitting there in the dugout and being a full-time DH, and I'm guessing even though he's cold, uh, it's still better than most center fielders right now. We've seen that before, so... Yeah, put him in center field. I'm okay with that. What's wrong with that? I have no issue with him going back to center field at this point. So my perception is this, and and Doogie has sort of contradicted it, and if so, what you just said is absolutely fine. My perception is they're not doing it because they don't think his knee or his hip or his back, I mean, this guy, again, is 75 years old. They don't think it can handle the wear and tear of being out there. That's my perception. But from what Darren has said, that's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. So if if what Dukes and Dukes does have sources inside the Twins, if what Dukes is saying is correct, then you're probably right. Because, yeah, what's going to happen? Okay, so so you play him in center or, hell, let's just say right field, okay? Um, so it's not the exact wear and tear of playing center field. So you play him in the outfield, and he comes up sore. Okay, he sits out two or three days. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, it's, I'm suggesting it's, it's he, he should be – doing that already. So, yeah, it is it's one of the more perplexing things. I mean, the Twins do perplexing things. They they are a very stubborn group. Um they decide something's right, which is why I like stat, uh, stat, the stacking of uh Julian Kirloff and Kepler. Uh but they'll decide something is going to be the way it, it is and then their ability to move off that is very very slow. All right, we're going to get to the last talking point, before, but before we do, I want to talk to you about my friends at Livia Weight Control Centers, who, of course, a couple of years ago helped me drop 40 pounds, and I'm going to tell you right now, this program, it not only works for dropping the weight, but also, the most important thing, maintaining the weight loss, and I got good news, that is that Livia Days have arrived, the best deal of the summer is here, and yes, it is summer. 
Join today, get 50% off your personalized program. That's 50% off. Lose 10 pounds or more in your first two weeks. Imagine that, being down 10 pounds or more in the first two weeks. You're feeling great. You're starting to look good. Clothes are starting to fit. And you are just getting started on what's going to be a program that's not just going to change your life right now, but change it for the long term. 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A, Livia.com. L-I-V-E-A.com voted Minnesota's best weight loss program year after year. There's a reason why. Find out like I did, Livia.com. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. All right, the last talking point I've got is this, and I broached it briefly before. I want your opinion on the Polanco playing third base because, yes, Julian deserves to play. I'm not in any way saying he deserves to lose a spot. But, again, to tie it in to the Buxton thing, we are now going to, I guess, have Polanco go from having been a shortstop where he wasn't really great to a second baseman, where I think he was okay, to third base where his throwing woes could become a big problem. Like his throwing at second base, I think he's perfectly, I think that arm plays perfectly at second base decks. But what is your opinion of this late in the summer move to try to get Polanco to play third base? I guess give it a shot. Yeah, I don't really love the idea of him playing third. He's only played like 16 games there, all that being a rookie. Um, he was never really a great shortstop, and I think he was fine, again, hiding someone at second base. If you're going to hide anyone, put him at second in the major league level. Um, try it, and then by the time, if uh, if Royce Lewis is maybe coming back from that injury, then you give it a shot. You can also still, I don't believe they're going to, and they've kind of made this clear too, Jorge Polanco is not going to be the everyday third baseman playing it seven days a week. There's going to be times where Julian's DH and, he, and Polanco's at second. There's going to be times where Solano's at third base. Like It's not, I think, as black and white as he is your everyday third baseman playing five to six days there a week. That is not going to be the plan. But can he spell in there every once in a while, fill in once or twice a week, and can he at least hold his water there? I think he can. I think he can. And I don't, I don't think um, they're going to do this where they're going to put him out there and make him the everyday third baseman, and they shouldn't. So can he play there once or twice a week, and can he not make an absolute fool of himself? I think that's basically the plan with Jorge at third base. When are we expecting Royce Lewis back from the strained oblique? I think mid-August. Okay. I, I think he said it's still. He said he feels good, but you know those obliques are tricky. Where yes. you, you feel good one day, you start swinging, and all of a sudden something's pulled again, right? So yep. it's a very tricky injury uh, to to basically rehab. So as soon as he's back, he is back third base I would as much as possible. I'd envision. I don't want him in left field. I don't oh, no. I don't I don't want to try this crap anymore. Nope. He has proven that he can play third. He was very he was he was very sufficient there. It was absolutely fine. Um but this then ties back to my Buxton point. Julian can DH a lot too. I mean if Byron Buxton how long are we going to wait on him like oh he'll break out he'll break out okay he ran into two he ran into two pitches from Lance Lynn, who we know throws strikes, again, a good guy to play him against. Lance Lynn was a good guy, good pitcher to play him against. But the reality is, if you're going to win the division and have any hope of being a a team that can finally break an 18-game, nearly 20-year playoff losing streak, you know, my my preference is this. 
Polanco at second, mm-hmm. Royce Lewis at third, Julian DHs, Buxton off the bench. Unless Buxton can be back in the outfield, in which case I'd like to see. See, I don't know. Is he the same guy? Do they not think he can run as well because of the knee? I, I don't know. But I feel like we're trying to torture this to keep Buxton happy when it's not necessary. So if Polanco plays, if he plays occasional third, absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. But if this is anything so that they can continue to bang their heads against the wall by DHing Buxton, give me a break. Um, on a team that's actually going to play a playoff game, FYI, I do not want Edward Julian near second base. Nope. I want Polanco there. Yeah. He, he's far superior. So this, to me, is a problem that's not a problem. It's just a difficult conversation. Yeah, I think you, I, I'm maybe just talking myself into this. Put him in center field. Put Buxton back in center field. Just do it. I mean, if if the fear is you're going to lose him and his bat is still terrible, what, honestly, I know that sounds bad because I don't wish ill will upon someone. I don't want someone to get injured. But the worst case scenario is he is out of your lineup, and right now he is not a factor in your lineup. So what what is the what's the fear there that he will miss not just twenty twenty three time, but career altering time? I mean, my God, what is he just going to explode in the outfield and never be able to walk again? I just I don't see the fear of putting him back in center field now at this point. Just do it. And Willie Castro's been fine. He's been fine. Yeah, he's better than I thought. I can I can tell you right now though that if you put Buxton in depth in center field, I like him more in center field than Willie Castro. Unless he can't run, like unless, unless he legitimately can't unless run. Unless there's yeah. a legit thing there. Um yeah, I don't disagree with you. All I would say is this, if you have questions, if you are concerned about Byron Buxton and and are like you guys don't really know we can't play him there, then he's off the bench. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. In game one of a playoff series, unless you give me a pitcher that Byron Buxton just absolutely eats up, I am not putting Julian at second. I'm DHing him. I'm putting Polanco at second and Lewis at third. And just to be very clear, this is not difficult. This is just a conversation. Buxton's not going to like it. You know what? Too bad. I, I want to win a playoff game. Yeah. So do you. So does Phil. So do the fans. So it's like we're turning ourselves into pretzels here, twisting ourselves like pretzels. How is this going to work? First of all, guys get hurt. But second of all, right now, this is pretty damn simple. It's not hard. Bonus question, uh, trade deadline, if I'm not mistaken, is a week from today. Is that right? Monday? Expectation of a trade right now. What's your expectation? And do you think it's going to have, like, if one to ten impact of, of said trade? Ten being like they they go out and. Like an Otani, oh my God, I can't believe that they did that. Yep. One being. Nothing. Nothing for being, uh, you know, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, they got a reliever. I, I would say probably like a f- somewhere between the five and seven range. Ooh. I think they'll, I think they'll get some depth guys in the back of their bullpen. And maybe this is a rant for another episode or another score or twin show with Phil. Don't let what happened in the Tyler Malley trade prevent you from making a future trade. Don't get so gun shy because one trade blew up in your face and now you're scared to ever make a trade again. Just because that trade blew up, and I am Mr. Trade Prospects, I know where this pot is being cut, you know, being a kettle black, but don't be afraid to make another trade because one trade really killed you. Well, and they're not going to make a trade now. What what they're trying to find won't cost you. And, and I mean, they're if they go into a into a if they try and acquire a player who's wanted by multiple teams, it's they're not going to win that bidding war because their prospect pool now is way too light. Yeah. But you know, my guess is they're looking for, because although he is expected back here, 
Theobar's been on the IL twice w- with the same thing that Royce has. Yeah. Um, and so those are trick. Those are tricky. Uh, so my guess is that they're going to try to look for a left-handed bullpen arm, which will cost you, but it's not going to break the bank by no. any means, not even close, and a right-handed bat. So I don't think that they're going to put – so if I was to rank it, I'd say a four. I'd say a four because I don't think they're going to try to make any splash moves. The one good thing, a credit to them for as much as we feel they've done some things wrong, is the starting rotation is not a problem now. Nope, and really Dallas Keuchel, I have no idea if it's going to play in the big leagues, but dude, one, he didn't opt out, and two, he's been pitching lights out. So if if he can come and give you a thing, that's a bonus too. And completely, you know, uh, non, this is not sourced at all, but I believe he would have had to have a conversation with the brass yeah. and with, like, hey, wait this out, don't opt out. Wait 100%. this out, you're going to get your time. Injuries unfortunately happen. Yep. Guys get hurt. Guys want to skip some starts here. He will make a start with the Twins. I think there was for sure a private conversation behind the scenes of don't opt out. There's a plan here. Stick with us. Awesome stuff. Yeah, I, my guess is that one plan might be, and he, he continues to pitch just great, but I could see Bailey Ober being skipped a couple starts. Yeah, I would just, I think in general, work. you want to keep these arms as fresh, the top three guys especially, the Joe Ryans, the Pablo Lopez, Sonny Gray. I mean, Sonny's even... Not he's been battling some stuff here. So can you can you skip one of these guys and get Dallas Keuchel an inning or a start? Excuse me. Why are we so fixated? I keep seeing this. We are fixated on Sonny Gray not having a win since late April. Yeah. Yet I'm told by all the new baseball people, wins are for pitchers. Pitcher wins are meaningless. Why are we so fixated on a stat that we're told is basically a random stat? Yeah, I, I don't. Pitching wins means absolutely zero to me. But, we're, but every time he pitches and doesn't get a win, it's like, it's been since late April. It's unbelievable. Well, you can't help those people. If those people, that's their own that's their own problem. I'm not, not going to lose sleep over it for sure. All right, Dex, we're done. So you uh, tell the people what they need to hear. Yeah, hit the subscribe button for daily Minnesota sports entertainment. This is the Score Our Twin Show. Uh, Phil, back in tow tomorrow. He is traveling. He'll be back uh, with some Twins takes and some takes on everything else in the Minnesota sports scene uh, from being absent over the last week or so. So hit that subscribe button, Purple Daily as well. Uh, I have my four reasons to be optimism, excuse me, five reasons to be optimist uh, about the Viking season, and then Purple Daily on draft two with uh, Thor Nystrom and Tyler Fornis. We'll be talking to you.